0: Hello and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this lesson in our series, Who I Am, where we'll be studying the book of John and where we see that John is writing these things to everyone so they might believe and that in believing they might have life. In this awesome book where John presents the Messiah Jesus as God, we'll see lots of key truths. And great application that we can apply to our own life. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5 if you're not already there. We're gonna be looking at verses five or verses 18 through verses 30. And so it's a it's a kind of a big chunk of scripture, but we'll go through it hopefully pretty quickly. Like I said, today we're gonna to be talking about salvation. Okay, and salvation is vitally important, it's for all of us to understand. Uh, and salvation, the cool thing about salvation is it's, it's very simple, but it's also very deep in some ways. And so we're going to look at the simple part of it, and we're going to look at the deep part of it today. Um, so everybody should be able to take away something today. And the one thing I want us to focus on, really, is the grace of God uh, through it all. The grace of God through it all. Uh, this is an illustration that by John Nimla, okay? and it's, it's called Wrong Way Corrigan. It's not, it's not by him. This is a true story. Uh, But I heard it from him and uh, I really liked it because I went and I started looking it up looking up some facts about this guy How many of you guys have ever heard of him? Okay, so that's why I never heard of him either until this guy mentioned him and uh, it's a it's a cool story So this guy was an aviator in 1938. So in the 1930s, he was an aviator on July 17th 1938 um, There were a bunch of people at that time or a bunch of flyers pilots at that time Who were trying to fly across the Atlantic to get like glory, you know To be like the first one to fly across the Atlantic and all that stuff so it was just a big deal back in uh, back in that day, and so this guy was a pilot, okay, and um, he put in a like an order, like like you have to like basically say like to your bosses and people that own the planes, like hey, I want to do this trip or whatever. And so he said, hey, I want to go, I want to fly across the Atlantic, and they said, no, you're not allowed to fly across the Atlantic. It's too dangerous because planes aren't what they what they are now, right? They're a lot different. So they're like, no, it's too dangerous. You're not going to make it. We're going to lose a plane and a pilot. You're not allowed to fly across the Atlantic. And so he said, okay. And they're like, okay, fly to California because they're in New York. Fly to California, which would also be pretty good, you know, to fly all the way across the continent. or I mean, all the way, yeah. So anyway, he he takes off and he goes high and it's a cloudy day. So he goes up and he gets into the clouds and they lose sight of him, obviously, because he's in the clouds. And he ends up doing a 180, okay, after takeoff. And starts flying across the Atlantic Ocean. Next thing you know, the next thing anybody hears of him, he lands in Dublin, Ireland. Okay, so he flew across the Atlantic. And uh, when he landed and they heard about it, uh, they're going to suspend his pilot's license. They said, you can't fly anymore. And he said, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't, I don't know how I lost direction, but my compass stopped working and somehow I just started flying the wrong way. And uh, which I don't think it was true. I think I think he just did it on purpose. But anyway, that's what he said. That's the cl- the story claim. So they they um, they said you can't fly anymore. We're gonna suspend your license. But he was so popular by the time that he got back to America, which is you know not that long. He was so popular by people, he was a celebrity. And when he got off the plane, um, there was a New York Times post that posted this. They posted the uh, the thing backwards the wrong way, Corrigan. And there were thousands of people that met him wanting his autograph and all this stuff. So when he got back, they were like, okay, your, your pilot's license is not suspended. So we'll just let you uh, roll with it if you would. So anyway, I like that story because he went the wrong way. I think he did it on purpose. He still, to the end of his life, claimed that uh, he got mixed up and his compass was wrong. Uh, but I think that he went the wrong way. And uh, John Neiman will use this example Because in verses 28 and 29, which we'll look at in just a second, he says that a lot of people interpret it the wrong way or they do it backwards. And what he means by that is they use verses 28 and 29 to interpret verse 24, which is a verse that most of you guys have memorized. It's a very important verse in the Scripture. However, we'll see that if you look through this and look through Jesus talking here and His teaching, and you just go through it the right way, verse to verse, then... um, we see some pretty cool things and it's pretty easy to interpret. So let's look at it. It's verse 18. It says, "For this reason, therefore the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own Father and making himself equal with God. Okay, so that's the context of what we just got done talking about for those of you who weren't here, Jesus just came back down to Jerusalem. okay, He's been up in like Galilee, you guys know, everybody heard of the Sea of Galilee. He's been up in that area, Sea of Galilee. He just came back down to Jerusalem for a feast. And when he got there, there's this place called the Pool of Bethesda at Five Porticos. And he went in there and there's this guy that had been lame for 38 years and he healed him. And it was on the Sabbath. And then verse 18 is saying, these Jews, um, they're getting mad at him because he healed on the Sabbath. Now, we talked about this last time, but God did not have a rule that you can't heal on the Sabbath. God did not have a rule that you cannot pick up your mat and walk on the Sabbath. But that's what the paralytic did. He picked up his mat and walked, so they got really mad at him. It was a law that they had made up. They had created. Okay, so they're mad at him because they broke his, because lo- he broke their law, and because he's calling God his own father, making himself equal with God, which is Jesus equal with God. Yeah, he is. So he had a right to do that part of it. Okay, it says therefore Jesus answered. This is what Jesus says to them. Truly, truly, I say to you. "...the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something that his father, or He sees His Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son does also in a like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. And the Father will now show greater things, greater works than these, so you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son." so that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. And then this is a verse that all of us know, hopefully, and if you don't know it, you should memorize this verse. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears My word and believes in Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God And those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in Himself, even so He gave the Son also to have life in Himself. And He gave Him the authority to execute or exercise judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear the voice and will come forth, And those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own initiative, I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own, but the will of Him who sent me. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. We can see um, a lot of stuff about salvation and even about the end times and the great white throne judgment, God. Just thank you for um, all you've done for us. We love you and pray that... As we um, look at this passage, that you'd help us to take interpretation and application from it correctly so we can apply these things in our life and live for you. And we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so the first thing that we're going to look at today is the judgment. So if you're on your little note-taking, for those of you who haven't taken notes, this would be like point number one. The judgment would be number one here. And this is in verses really 18 all the way to 23. And uh, we're going to look at it, but Jesus basically is answering these guys because they're they're saying, hey, you're claiming to be the Son of God. And what he does is he he announces himself as God. He says, yeah, I am the Son of God, essentially. Um, and he says that he's doing what the Father does. Look at it again in verse 19. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees his Father doing. Okay, so right off the bat, he says, hey, I'm not doing anything unless... The Father, I see the Father doing it. Okay, and when he's talking about the Father, he's talking about God, right? And so he says, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything that He's not doing. Okay, I'm seeing what He does and I do it. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son does also in like manner. He's literally claiming that He does what God does. Okay, now, what human does what God does? I mean Jesus right because he's human He's God and man, that's the only one right. So essentially these Jews would know this and they would know that he's claiming, I mean to be God here because they're like I mean he's like, listen, I don't do anything except what my father does and that's God. Okay so he's claiming to be God here. He's, he's telling them that they are right and thinking that he's, uh, he is God. And verse 20 says, "For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things, and that he himself is doing again who can see what the father is doing and who knows what the Father is doing just jesus right okay no humans right and so again he's claiming to be god and the father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel so then it says that he's going to do greater works through christ because basically jesus is now claiming that what he's doing is through god the father okay which is important because they think hey he's claiming to be god that's blasphemy we need to kill him he says i am from god and what i'm doing is through god and he says, I'm going to do things that are even greater than this. What are the things that, what is the this? Miracles? Yeah, and which miracle specifically from last time we talked? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the man that, that's a pretty big miracle. He'd been paralyzed for 38 years, and he heals him. And he says, You're going to do greater, I'm going to do greater things than this through God the Father, and you're going to marvel at it. So, what are some other greater things? What is one other greater thing that he did? Resurrection. Yeah, his own resurrection, right? He also raised some other people from the dead like Lazarus after this point um, and did some other cool miracles. But, yeah, he, res- he resurrects himself. And that's what he goes on to talk about in verses 21 through 23. Um, 21 through 23 in this, they are, they're like a synopsis almost for what Jesus is talking about. Okay? Verse 21 says Jesus gives life. Verse 22 and 23 says Jesus is judge. Okay, Jesus gives life. Jesus and joy. These are the two things that we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at the great white throne judgment. How many of you guys know what that is? Okay, how many of you know where it is in the timeline of humanity? Okay, good. So some of us know. I'm going to write it up here so we can see it and know, okay? So, star is creation. Okay, we'll say that's the age of the Gentiles or whatever. Abraham, okay, there's a seed coming, right? Whatever. Thing like that. Okay, so we go all the way throughout the Old Testament. Okay, Jesus dies on the cross, sends into heaven. Okay, that starts the church age. Then what comes after the church age? Uh, the rapture. That's right. Good job, Tate and others. Okay, the rapture. Where where is Jesus coming to in the rapture? The sky. The sky. The clouds. Okay, so we go up to meet him in the clouds right there, and then there's seven years. What's that called? Tribulation. Okay, that's the tribulation. Okay, after the tribulation, Jesus comes down on earth. Star explode because that's the second coming. Okay, first coming, second coming. Okay, after the second coming, okay, there's believers that go into this part, but and then all of us will be here too. What's it called? Thousand year uh, reign. Okay, you guys all know this, so it's good. Okay, after the thousand year reign, what goes on out here? Armageddon. Well, yeah, that'd be right here, right? Armageddon and all that. This is eternal state out here, right? So at Armageddon, after Armageddon, and all that good stuff. Okay, you got. The great white throne judgment. That's where it's at, right there. Okay, for, for believers, what ju- judgment do we go through? Anybody know what do we call it? Judgment. Bema. judgment seat of Christ or Bema seat judgment. Okay, Bema is the Greek word that means reward and stands, So That's why some people call it that. So there isn't other judgment. There are other judgments. Uh, Bema seat. Just put it right there. Okay, so we don't know where this happens. It doesn't tell us in Scripture. Some people think it happens right here. Uh, some people who think it happens right here, some people think it happens as you die throughout the church age, okay, so we don't know, okay, but there is a BMC judgment, so today, okay, I know I'm trying to get to where all you guys can see, we're going to be talking about the great white throne judgment a little bit, okay, and so um, when we're talking about judgment and we'll look at these words in just a second, this is what we're talking about, okay, we're talking about this great white throne judgment, we're going to look at Are we going to be there or are we not going to be there? Because a lot of people think we're going to be there. A lot of other people think we're not going to be there. So we're going to look at it in this passage and see what it says. Okay, So look at verse 21. It says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so who? The Son. son. Who's the Son? Jesus Jesus also gives life to whom he wishes. So He's the life giver. Look at verse 22. Not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to who? The The Son. So that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So this is the statement and he's going to go on and talk more about it. Listen, I give life and I judge. Okay, I give life and I judge. Those are two important things. We're going to look at three key words now. Okay, and this might get boring for some of you uh, that don't like Greek or whatever, but we're just going to look at three key words because it's important to know what these words mean. Okay, the first one is the word life. Okay, the word life. It's zoe. And in verse 21, it's to make alive. So look at verse 21. It says, For the Father raises the dead and gives them life, and even so the Son gives life to whom He wishes. This is the word to make alive. So it's basically saying the Father makes alive and the Son can make alive. Okay? In verse 24, look at verse 24. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has life eternal, or eternal life. So, in 24, it's eternal life. So, the reason I bring that up is because it's important to note that Jesus is not talking about physical life in this passage. Okay, he's talking about what? Eternal life. Okay, he's talking about eternal life. Okay, so that, that's just an, an important thing to know. Okay, second word. Okay, and this and life, by the way, is one of our key words for the whole book of John. For you fifth graders, or those of you who weren't here at the beginning, life and believe were the two most key words in the whole book of John. So that's why we look at them just about every time we see them. The next word is believe. Okay, and I told you guys a while ago that participles would be important. I know that doesn't mean a lot to you guys, but it will in just a second. Believe is a present active participle, okay? Jillian's, Jillian knows what I'm talking about already. Okay, but a participle is a verbal adjective. Okay, you guys know what a verbal a verb is? Okay, so a verb is like an action, right? And then what's an adjective? Uh, it, describes it describes something. It describes something, so it's like an action, a describing action, okay? But in grammar, it always works like a noun. So they're really weird, because they're a verbal adjective that acts like a noun. Okay? now the reason this is important, because when you translate the Greek of this into English, it says the believing one or the one who believes. Okay, and so a lot of people, a lot of people will say, Hey, look, it's the one who believes right now, or the one who is going to believe. Okay, because it's not past tense, because it's a p- participle. Does that make sense? So he didn't say to the one who did believe. Past tense. Because he's using a participle okay now that's incorrect okay this is numbers 35 12 okay read this verse and the uh part present active participle is the word manslayer right there okay so it says the city shall be to you a refuge from the avenger so that the manslayer will not die uh, until he stands before the congregation for trial so this word manslayer is a present active participle so if they would apply what they apply to believe in John to this, it would say that the manslayer has to continue manslaying constantly in order to be a manslayer. Is that true? No. Does a murderer have to murder all the time to be a murderer? No. no. How many times does he have to murder to be a murderer? One time. One time. Okay. Same thing with a believer. Okay, And that's what this is saying. And that's why it's important to recognize some of these things. It's saying, in, look at verse 24 with me says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, that's the present active participle. So some people would say, look, you have to believe right now. And if, you don't, if you're not believing right now, then you, you, weren't ever, you, know, you weren't ever a believer, you don't believe, you're not. it doesn't count. But it's not true. It's the believer and the one who believes uh, him who sent me has eternal life. We're going to look at verse 24 again. Okay, but just note that when it says believes there, it's talking about the believer. Okay, does that make sense to everybody? That's a lot, but whoops. I'm gonna go all the way through it now. Alright, so the next word is the word judge. Okay, and it's right here. This one's really important. Okay. This one's really important. And I'm gonna try and make it super simple and it and it really is. Okay, you don't actually have to worry about the Greek words, but look at the look at the, the way these things end. Okay, so there's this top word, it's krino or kresis. Okay, so it's is like is or o. Oh. Words that have is or o oh typically mean they're the act of something. So in this case, if it's judge, it would be the act of judging. So what is the act of judging? That's when somebody gives up gives a sentence, right? It's like you go into a courtroom to be judged, right? Correct. Okay. Now, if that's a uh, cream ma m a. So the ma words typically, not all the time, but typically. They're the verdict of something. So in a courtroom, what's the verdict? Is it when the judge says, hey, here it is. Here's what it is. No, it's when they get put in prison or they get the punishment, right? So when you look at these words, the act of judging, okay, would be the great white throne judgment or the Bema judgment or something like that, right? That's where you're judged, okay? What is the, the verdict, of a judge, what would that be for the great white throne judgment? Whether you go to heaven or not. Yeah, it'd be the lake of fire, right? So if you're guilty, the verdict is a lake of fire. And the reason that this is important, if you look at um, some of these verses, and again, this is all context so we can get it, okay? So just stick with me a little bit here. Okay, so if you go through it, okay, again, there's the act versus the verdict. Look at verse um, 22. It says, For even the Father judges, uh, for not even the Father judges anyone. Does that look like, just in the translation, does that look like an act or a verdict? Is he judging someone or is that the verdict of the judge, judgment? It's the act, right? Look, I mean, it says he's not judging. That's the act of judging, right? So look at, and that's the word, that's the krisis, by the way. Okay, that's krisis. Look at verse 27. It says, And he gave him the authority to exercise or execute judgment. What is that? That's got to be the act, right? Because he's exercising it. Okay, that's the krisis again. Okay, look at verse 30. And he will come forth, uh, sorry, And I can do nothing on my own initiative. I hear and I judge. Okay, again, that's the act. And that's the krisis. Now if you go to verse 24. okay, Everything's revolving around verse 24. Look at it. So truly, truly, I say to you, he hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into... Church. That's Croesus. Okay? That's Croesus. So I think that's the act of judging, which is important because if it's the act of judging, that means no believers will be right here. Okay? Which can give us comfort. We're going to look at it as we go through it. Okay? So the takeaways, life is talking about spiritual eternal life. Believe is referencing believers. Judgment refers to the great white throne judgment in this passage. Okay, Does that make sense to everybody so far? Alright, now it's going to get a little bit easier. Okay, Now we're going to go verses 24 through verse 26. And we're going to look at the hour is here. Okay, Jesus now talks about two different hours. One of them is the hour is here and then one of them is just the hour is coming. So it's a now here, it's a now hour and the later hour. Okay? This one starts in verse 24. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, hears my word and believes in him who sent me, has eternal life, he does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life." Verse 25 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live, for just as the Father's uh, life in himself, even so, he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Okay, so first thing to note about this, the hour that is here is referencing Jesus back to 21 that he is the life giver okay so the hour is here is referencing the life part the later hour which we'll look at in a second is referencing the judgment part okay so this is the this is the life and the here For, uh, verse 24 starts out with truly truly and so does verse 25 what do you guys think truly truly means it means um i, I need your attention to yep. exactly it says listen up pay attention Truly, truly. Maybe I should say that more. Truly, truly, guys. Truly, truly. Okay, truly, truly, I say to you, and he says it twice, in 24 and in 25. Okay, let's look at verse 24 first. And again, if you don't get anything else out of this whole lesson, it's fine. Let's just just get something out of this verse because this verse is powerful and it's important. And I think all of you can, with this verse, share the gospel way better than you could without it. Okay, look at it. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. So who's the my right there? Jesus, okay? Who's the one who sent me? God the Father, right? So Jesus is saying, he who hears the word of Jesus and believes in God the Father, uh, or sorry, not believes in God the Father, but believes God the Father, has eternal life. Now this sounds kind of weird. Why wouldn't Jesus just say, "Believe in me for eternal life, and you have it"? Okay, but what is God's message? What is God the Father's message? That Jesus the way to eternal life. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same as Jesus' message, right? God's message is to believe in Jesus for eternal life too. And what God is doing is he's, or Jesus as God, He's claiming unity with the Father here by saying this, and He's saying that it's not only just me; it's also God the Father who is saying that eternal life comes through me. It's not just me, it's also God the Father. So he's claiming unity with God and saying, Whoever believes in me, the believer, okay, will have eternal life. The believer will have eternal life. So it's important to note that God's message is the same as Jesus, and that's part of what he's saying, okay? If you go on, this is really cool because there are three. You guys know what tenses are in grammar? Okay, there's past tense, present tense, and future tense, right? Past tense is, He did that. Present tense is, I'm doing that. Future tense is, he will do that, right? Past tense would be he was doing. Or he was doing, if you're, yeah, okay, in that context, yeah. But anything past is past tense, anything present, and then future, okay? You guys all got that pretty much? It's pretty simple. In Greek, they have the same thing, okay? They have the same thing, they have tenses. And this passage is really cool because it uses all three tenses, okay? The first one is has, the word has. Look at it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he hears my word and believes in me has eternal life this one's pretty simple this is a present tense okay and it's it's just a present tense like it just has right this is really important because a lot of people think that when you get eternal life is when you it's when you die right i know you guys have ever heard that or thought of that before like when you get eternal life it's that's when you die that's when you get eternal life but jesus doesn't say that right here he says you get eternal life right now which is really cool. Okay, we have eternal life beginning when we believe in Him for it. Okay, that's really important. Okay, the next thing is not come. Okay, has eternal life, does not come into judgment. Okay, and does not come in... That word come, rakamai in the Greek, it's, it's a Greek word. It's a present tense of a future word. Okay, what I mean by that is the word come is a future word, right? Like that's, that's not like a... Like it's just a future word. Okay, and so... It's a present tense. And this threw me for a loop one time because the reason I bring this up is because a lot of people say, look, it's past, present, and future uh, tense here in this verse. And I looked it up in the Greek. The word come is not future. But the word is future and the tense is present. So it's saying it will come. Does that make sense? So you will not come into judgment, but they have passed out of death to life. And this one's my favorite one. So in the Greek, they have a bunch of past tense. The past, the past tenses, they make a bunch of different meanings. Okay, like one just means like it happened in the past sometime. One means it happened in the past and the results of it are continuing. One means it happened in the past and the results continued for a while and then stopped. Okay, this one, it's a perfect tense. That means the action happened in the past, but the results of it continue on. Okay, they continue on forever, which is really cool because look at it. It says the, they have not passed... Or sorry, they have passed out of death into life. That means it's something that happened in the past. When you believe in Jesus for eternal life, you're saved. That's a past action, but the result continues on forever. Okay, so Jesus is using these words with intention, I think, and John is writing these words with intention. Okay, it's really cool, and I think we can use this. Okay, so this is what he says before he says in verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. Okay, so there is an hour that is here. That's what he's saying. Does anybody remember who was here uh, the last time or if Jesus said this in the past in John? Uh, trying to remember who it it's, it's a hard one to remember. This one might be on Jeopardy, though. Just FYI. Okay. The woman at the well, he said there's an, there's an hour here and now is. And now to the Jews, he's saying there's an hour here and now is. Okay, so listen to this. When he says there's an hour here and it now is, he's referring to himself. He's referring to the change of, hey, the Messiah is here. And from now on, things are a little bit different. Because in the, in the past, in the past, how were you saved? Uh, you had faith in God. Faith in the Messiah. Faith in the coming Messiah. You believed in the coming Messiah. But in the, before Christ, did they know who that was? No, they just knew it was going to be a seed of Abraham. They knew it was going to be a seed of David. They knew some of these things, but they didn't know who it was. Then when Jesus shows up, now do they know who it is? Yes. Do we know who it is? Yes. yes. So things, things change a little bit. Obviously, the church age starts. Things change. So this hour is here. Okay, He says this hour here, and he goes on to explain. What's the hour? It's when the dead will hear the voice of God or the voice of Son of God, and those who hear will live. This word here, okay, this word here is a kuo. It's a little different than the word that you showed us, Simeon, in your lesson at the lock-in. A little bit different word. But it can mean to hear or to listen. I think that the word means listen here. Especially if you compare it to verse um, 28. Look at the end of verse 28. It says, all those who are in the tombs will hear the voice and will come forth. So it's basically saying they're going to listen to the voice by coming forth. Because the voice is saying come forth. Okay, same thing here. Especially if you compare it to verse 24. But I'm not going to harp on it too much. I think this word means listen. So they're going to hear the word of the voice of God or the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. They will have life. Okay, They're going to have life. So who is the Son of God? It's Jesus. So he says they're going to hear my word and they're going to live. Before this time in the Old Testament, here's another difference. Had they heard the, the word of the Son of God? Not in the same way, right? He wasn't walking on the earth in the same way, so that's a little bit different. Okay, now look at verse 26. It says, for just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave life to the Son um, also to have life in himself. So all of that is to say that Jesus gives us life. Okay, that is salvation. If you want a big word for it, it's soteriology. Okay, it's salvation, the doctrine of salvation. Jesus is the one who gives life. He gives it now, and when you have it, by believing in him for eternal life, you have it forever that make sense everybody okay now we're going to talk about judgment okay and before we talk about judgment I want to read verse 27 because it's important In verse 27 it says and he gave to him authority to exercise judgment because he is what the son of man. okay up to this point what has he been calling himself the son of God, the son of God. Okay, now he changes it to the son of man okay why does he do that what's the importance of the son of man does anybody know where the Son of Man comes from Daniel it comes from Daniel right here okay this is Daniel 7 13 through 14 it says I kept looking in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven one like the son of man there it is was coming and let's see what he says about the Son of man now it says and he came up to the ancient of days okay who, who's the ancient of days God. God the Father right and he was uh, presented before him and to him was given dominion glory and a kingdom. That all peoples of all nations of men of every language might serve him, so he'd have dominion. Uh, so his dominion is everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Okay, that can't be anyone but the coming Messiah at this point. And now Jesus literally just called himself the Son of Man. Okay, so again, he is claiming to these Jews who know this passage. And by the way, the um, like the Pharisees and guys like that, they have this memorized. They had almost, some of them had the entire Old Testament memorized. All of them had to have the first five books memorized. And many of them would have had Daniel 7 memorized. They know who the Son of Man is. They know what it is. And so when Jesus says um, that um, God has given the authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man, like, they know what he's saying. Okay? Saying, I'm God and the Messiah. Okay? And so it's really important. So he states that and then he talks about this later hour. Look at that in verse 28. And these 28 and 29 is what people get like tripped up on, but it's really not that hard if you just go through the passage the way we're going through it. Right? Because we already saw what it takes to believe, what it takes to get life, all that stuff. And now we hit verse 28 and we know he's talking about judgment here. Okay? So it's a little bit easier. So look at it. It says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Okay, again, that sounds, that sounds weird, right? Does it sound weird? Let me read it again. Verse 29, those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those who did evil deeds to a resurrection of du- judgment. Does that sound weird? Yeah. It does a little bit, so we, we need to take time to talk about it. Okay, first off, He's talking about the future, okay? We know that because he says there's an hour uh, coming, and then he doesn't say, and now is, okay? So this is talking about a future hour. Jesus is talking about the future now. Before this, he was talking about present, right? Correct? He's saying, you can have life in me right now. Now he's talking about future. He says, hey, there is an hour coming. It will come. And look at it. It says, which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, okay? Here's the question. Who will are in the tombs at the great white throne judgment. When we get to this point, who are in the tombs, spiritual or physical, who are in the tombs right here? Um, yeah. Only unbelievers, right? Only unbelievers. Because what happens to the people living on earth right here? They go to, we go to heaven, right? What happens to all people who died here? Go to heaven right there. Right, Go to be with Jesus right there. What happened when Jesus died and rose again to all these Old Testament people? Yeah, Ephesians says he went uh, to the hard earth and he led captivity, the captives. He, he took them back up to be with him. Now if you die, you're with him, right? So he does that tribulation. Then who comes with Jesus back right here? Believers. All of us, so all believers, right? All believers. And then we live this time period with Jesus, right? So the only people in the tombs that are left are the, are the unbelievers, right? So if there's only unbelievers there, that's probably the unbelievers that he's talking about. But let's continue and go on. Okay, verse twenty-nine. It says, "Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment." Okay, I think that this is a hypothetical statement, and I think there are many hypothetical statements in the scripture to make a point. Okay, well, I think what Jesus is saying here: these people, these unbelievers, they go to the great white throne of judgment. If you, re- I'm going to resurrect them, right? And if I resurrect them. Anyone who's been perfect can live with me. Anyone who hasn't, they're going to go to the resurrection of judgment. Let me give you an illustration. What if I, I we, took, we all went out to the track, the Stillwater Track, and I'm like, all right, any of you guys that can run 100 meters in under 9 seconds, I'll give you 500 bucks. How many of you guys will get 500 bucks? What's, anybody know what Bolt's record is for 100 meters? Wasn't that 18 seconds? Not, no, it was 9 is the fastest ever. Okay, if you're going to get a little bit more like real with this and this hypothetical statement, it'd be more like Jesus coming and saying, or me coming and saying to you guys, hey, run 100 meters in less than a second and I'll give you $500. It's just impossible, right? And we know based on scripture, based on looking at our own lives, that if Jesus were to resurrect us, having not saved us, our resurrection would be to judgment because we wouldn't have any good deeds worth anything. Does that make sense? And so I think what Jesus is saying here is hypothetically saying, hey, listen, especially considering who He's talking to, Pharisees are, in general, many of the Pharisees relying on what to get to heaven? Their good works. And so especially considering that, He says, hey, listen, we get to the great white throne judgment and the Son of Man, which is me, by the way, is going to be judging you. I resurrect you and you say before me and you can say yeah, I'm perfect. Then sure. You know what? I'll let you in. You have you have righteousness. You've never sinned. All that stuff. Oh yeah, come on in. So who so who's going to who's going to have that? No one. So I think this is a hypothetical statement saying, "Hey, I'm going to resurrect you and no one's going to measure up." And then everybody's going to be resurrected to judgment. That's gonna, what the great white throne judgment is for. If you look at verse 30, he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, this is powerful because he changes it. He's kind of been talking like the son of God will do this. The son of man will do this. And now he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. He changed it to me. You know, I can do nothing on my own. Um, And so he's the one who is the life giver and the judge. Okay. It's just like this statement. I think it's like the rich young ruler. You guys remember this, the story of the rich young ruler? Okay, so the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And he says, and he's a Jew. Okay, so he says, uh, Jesus, what laws do I have to keep to get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, honor your father and mother. You now he lists off some of the Ten Commandments and says, keep those things. And then the guy's like, oh, I've kept them all. I've done all of them. I'm perfect. And Jesus is like, okay, you know, you got to think, Jesus knows the mind of this guy, right? And he knows everything. So, you know, Jesus has to be thinking, okay, you think you've done everything perfect? No way. Okay, and then he's got to think, and he says this, and I think he says it to get the guy to realize that he's not perfect, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to change the guy's mind. He says, all right, fine. If you've done everything, then sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And he wouldn't do it. And I think what Jesus was trying to do is trying to make that guy realize that he had sinned. Because if you don't realize you, you have sin, you don't need a Savior, right? And so here, he's like, hey, I'll resurrect all of you guys, okay? If you've done good, you get resurrection alive. But none of you have, and none of us have, right? How many of us are good enough to get into heaven on our own? Not one of us. I'm glad none of you raised your hands there. Okay, not one of us is good enough. Okay, and so that's why we need verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. We need that verse because we are not good enough when we stand. If we were, I mean, I'm not going to be there because I'm a believer, which I think is important for us to realize. But if I was to stand there, I would not be good enough. Okay, and neither would any of you. So, what's the application? First, know the believers aren't aren't going to stand here. Like we're not going to be here, and we're definitely not going to be judged here. And because when when God looks at us, whose righteousness does He see? Christ, right? And so we're not going to be here. We don't have to worry about that. You know, a lot of people worry knowing this is really comforting because a lot of people think that as believers, we might live through here. Or we might not. We don't know. And a lot of people think that that that's non-existent. And then some other people, they might think, well, I don't know. We might get to the end. And there's a lot of people that say, we'll get to the end and He's going to judge us based on our works. Because of this verse. You know, and it's just not true because it goes against all other scripture. Okay, uh, we know that believers are not going to be judged at the Great White Throne Judgment. Okay, know that your good works cannot earn you a place. Okay, your good works cannot earn you a place. And that's important even for you guys. I look out here and I see you guys, and many of you guys know the Bible really well and you know the gospel back and forth. You can quote all the verses, but this is still really important for you to remember. It's really important for me to remember. Because it reminds us of God's grace. Okay, and God's grace is something important to remember. I think, you know, we talk about, we've talked before about like how we shouldn't wallow in our sin and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't like uh, shame yourself over your sin after you've confessed it. But it is very important to recognize your sin so that you can see the grace of God. We talked about that a little bit at the lock in but like you need to see your sin just so that it can point you to how good God's grace is, right? Like if these guys think that they're going to be resurrected and they're going to be good enough to get into heaven, how big is God's grace? Very small. But for the murderer that was hanging on the cross beside Jesus, how big was God's grace? Very big, because he didn't he didn't have time to do anything and he was a, he was a thief and He's a terrible person. So sometimes when we recognize our sin, it can show us God's grace even more. Okay. So that's what I think we should do this week. Let's remember the message. Uh, let's be clear with it. Okay? Let's not go around and say, well, yeah, believe in Jesus for eternal life and you'll have it. But make sure you do good deeds or you won't get in. Like that's not true. Right? So let's be clear with what we say and understand the scripture, know what it says, so that when people come and say, No, you know what? In John 5, 28, 29, it says that you have to do good deeds to get into heaven. You guys can say, no, it doesn't. Here, I'll show you what it says. And you guys know the scripture. Know the scripture. Study it for yourself. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis.com at StillwaterBible.org Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.